Today's episode is brought to you by Latchkey Kingdom, a webcomic by Nick Daniel. Um, head on over to latchkeykingdom.com and check it out. It is cute and adventurous and lighthearted and full of childlike whimsy and wonder, and we're both real big fans. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. My name is Brad Carey. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs Extrasode. It is a retro video games extrasode. <laughs> Which explains what they need to know. This is where we read your responses um, about uh, the thing we just talked about last, which is the Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. And you guys all came out in force. Brad, thank you for sticking around. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Brad. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. Gary, what's Brandon I'll go, say? Yeah, but I'll go ahead and get us started with Brandon here. Um, he says, by contact. Before I ever had a chance to play A Link to the Past, I enjoyed Ocarina of Time. While I had played the NES Zelda games that had come out before it, this Nintendo 64 effort just never did it for me. Everything about that game felt like it was moving through finely ground, uh, shin-deep sand. <laughs> Wait, I read that skin-deep sand, <laughs> and I was like, finally, or finely ground skin. I read that first. <laughs> um, and, I was like, Ooh. And, and the whole idea of finely ground shin like, anyway, um, <laughs> like wow. uh, felt like it was moving through finely ground shin deep sand it was apparent in the story the map and especially in the physics i was turned off by then and as the years have passed it uh it has not gotten any better it wasn't until much later uh 10 years after its initial release in fact that i played a link to the past christ what a treat the exploration was intriguing and fun the characters were quaint and lovable the combat was fun as well as intense, but the thing that really did it for me was it were the general aesthetics. Link to the Past has one of my favorite color palettes of all time. Take those nice psychedelic tones and mix it with a masterful, masterful, masterful score that takes uh, SNES composition to some of its highest highs, and you have something brushing shoulders with perfection. I recently played through the game again to prepare for its 3DS sister game, and I was whirled back to a time where I could escape my childhood worries via 10 ounces of plastic clutched between my hands. Also, I was a rabbit for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Brandon. Yes, thank you. Agreed. On all yeah. points. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Brad, what's Madison say? Uh, so Madison says via contact, I loved The Legend of Zelda Links to the Past. It's one of my all-time favorite Zelda games. Uh, my first memory of this game, my first memories of this game are of watching my mom play it on the SNES. It wasn't until it came out for Game Boy Advance that I played it myself. Uh, from from Monsters to Weapons, I found this game so much better than the two previous games, and I think this is where my love of the Zelda franchise began. Uh, I was wondering, in your guys' playthrough, um, if you came across the Chris Houlihan room. Nope, I see previous episode. Yes. Um, yeah. and, uh, I don't read these before we record, so I'm not, uh, <laughs> I didn't know that you were going to bring that up. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, yeah, I've never found it, but I'm familiar with yeah. yeah, I had forgotten about it until it came out. But mm-hmm. and it's and it's it's weird what that's become because like you know whoever Chris Woolihan is, I'm sure there's somebody like on Polygon or whatever has done like a like an expose like where's he at now? Kind of like they did for the for the kid who was on the Nevermind album cover, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, you know, like just like how how awesome is that to be like immortalized in one of the greatest games ever? But it feels like there there's an awful lot of like. You know, win this contest, be in the credits, you know, catch the wave, you know. Right, right, right. And and somebody had to have won those things, mm-hmm. you know, the, like the, the, all those various contests. There was um a recently, boy, what was it? Um, There was like a hangout with Motley Crue <laughs> 80s contest thing and the AV Club had a, a 
an interview recently with a person who did it, um, <laughs> who like won one oh. of those things. And it is very interesting. Like, uh, like kind of, they have a series where it's like the insider perspective mm-hmm. on, uh, different things. They've got like, you know, people who are on different game shows and, and things like that. And that, that stuff's fascinating to me. Yeah. Like, so what is it like to be Chris Houlihan? <laughs> no idea. I don't know. And now I actually am curious. <laughs> yeah. You know, hope he, he, he might, he might even be dead. It was a long time ago. I hope yeah, not. Hopefully not. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> So Glenn says via contact, I have very fond memories of playing Link to the Past and consider it to be the best of the series. My favorite part as a younger kid uh, was trying to find where Agnim uh, went after he had teleported behind the curtain. It wasn't until years later uh, that, I, that I just decided I needed to swing at the sword at the middle curtain to continue through the dungeon. Yeah, we didn't mm. talk about that. That is pretty goofy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, smoke bomb, I'm out. Oh, yeah. it, reminded, it reminded me of the beginning of Willow, where he <laughs> makes that pig disappear mm-hmm. and doesn't doesn't quite uh, pull it off. Because right before that, he made Zelda disappear in the same way. It's like, oh, she's probably under the table. Like, <laughs> still around. Oh. Glenn continues, this was the first Zelda game I played completion, and it is the best, before it became lore crazy and was just focused on great gameplay. Um, I think what he means is it is the best before the series got too lore crazy. And mm-hmm. this was the last one where it was like, let's just make the game right. Yeah, there we go. Mm-hmm. Thanks for bringing back great memories. You're welcome, Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, years is a long time to wait for that curtain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you, know, you got your, your cartridge hooked up to the gas generator as well. <laughs> well, the game's broken. I can't get to him. Yeah. I'll exit for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gotta make frequent warrant runs to the speedway yeah. <laughs> we're gonna crack this one <laughs> um eric says via contact growing up i never owned a link to the past but my best friend did unfortunately his cartridge had cartridge had a defective battery which didn't allow us to save which meant that if we wanted to beat the game we had to do it in one sitting mm-hmm. also unfortunately his snes was located in his lake cabin uh since at the lake there were so many things to do that aren't video games. <laughs> Our only real chance to beat the game occurred on rainy days. On those rainy days, we would gather around the SNES and trade a controller back and forth after each dungeon or each death, whichever came first. As a result of this, all our strategies were actually built around how long it took to accomplish any particular task, <laughs> and anything that wasn't necessary was promptly discarded. Little did I know what we were actually doing was practicing a speedrun, if only we had known what that was at the time. It took us approximately three years worth of rainy summer days to actually beat the game, but it's still one of my proud and gaming accomplishments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those, like all those things without the, uh, like when you read about not being able to save mm-hmm. in, uh, in, in a game like this and getting through it anyway, um, that's, that stuff's crazy to me. Like I've, I've never, never done that. Yeah. Like I would not have had the patience. Three years of concerted effort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you know, or th- three summers, really. Yeah. Yeah, three summers. I mean, trying again. Like it wasn't like yeah, he left yeah. the Super Nintendo on <laughs> for a year. Uh, let's let's see here, Brad. What's Murph say? Sure. Uh, so Murph Murphy says via Facebook, uh, a link to the past. No game is more central to my gaming history. I was going to gush for a bit, uh, but I'm sure everyone will do that. So I'll get personal. I hit this game exactly right. I was old enough to understand everything, yet still have the kid patience to fully explore it. <laughs> what a game to explore! I have been a fan of Legend of Zelda, but with the SNES graphics and sound, it was like Hyrule had come alive. <laughs> there was so much to find out for 10-year-old Murph. I would spend hours fencing with the guards, holding my sword out, and being amazed that we would bounce back when we hit swords. 
or searching for hidden caves under rocks and bushes, or dodging steel balls in that one room in the first Light World dungeon. <laughs> I remember the feeling of accomplishment when I finally figured out the first Dark World dungeon. My favorite moment is descending the Golden Pyramid after defeating Aghanim. I felt something epic had happened, and I was the cause. This game was epic, and I don't think it's the nostalgia talking. Oh, it's mm. definitely not. <laughs> no, yeah. it holds up. That's the, yeah. Yep, yep. Yep. Agreed. It's it's funny because he talks about that sweet spot between, you know, kid patience and, you know, the ability to comprehend. Like the the the, the more I think about it, like that might just be a summer. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, I feel yep. like that's the the sweet spot that the Super Nintendo kind of writ large hit for me. Mm-hmm. So, it's like while I like I, I love the Nintendo N64, you know, PlayStation, but the Super Nintendo just has all those games that were right in the, the right time frame for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. And part of it's like a function of technology where, you know, having the ability or impetus to, to over, you know, to the, the degree to which you explain in the medium in which you do it is going to change as the, the, the medium progresses. So like this was a time where people, you know, still read manuals. That was still a thing. We weren't counting on in-game tutorials. And the fact that games weren't in 3D, like it has this kind of body of uh, experience to, to work. You know, there have been many overhead Zelda likes. So they didn't really need to, you know, to explain more than that. Yeah. And, you know, you just kind of knew going into it. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it is very, very cool. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you just have kid patience. <laughs> you know, and it's not, uh, it's not too obscure. It's not like, it's even, you know, it, it, it does hit that sweet spot in a way that like the Nintendo entries don't really, you know, like you get, you run into your like Simon's quests and your, uh, your Legend of Zelda ones, which are, I like those games, but they are a little bit too obscure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll close out with, uh, Joseph Ellis via Facebook. He says, I regretfully never played A Link to the Past. I had a bad experience with the first Zelda game on the NES. My best friend's brother had it when I was in kindergarten or first grade and wouldn't let us play it. He was a teenager, and I was a little wimp then. If we tried to play it when he wasn't around, he would somehow always walk in, catch us, and go completely off his rocker. (laughs) So therefore, I never got a chance to get into the game all too well. Um, I had a Genesis after the Nintendo and PlayStation after that. Being a fantasy fanatic, it would seem like something that I would have really liked. I'm one of those people, uh, one of those people that like to see things in chronological order. So when I got older, I bought some of the systems I didn't have as a kid and didn't get any Zelda games because I'd never played the first one. I guess it's about time to head down that road and play these titles that every other gamer has played and loved. Uh, yeah. So thank you, Joseph. Yes. Yeah. Pop in. If you have, uh, if you have NES patients, you know, we, we just mentioned the last thing and you want to do them in order. Um, both the NES games are both really good. They're just harder, um, and are worth your time. And you, you know, you'll get up to this point and, and be rewarded for it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I like this response just because it, uh, you know, like it, it does talk about like kind of where those blind spots can come from. Like if you miss mm-hmm. that first window of opportunity and you just never had the system later, like, mm-hmm. you know, like you, you totally could be the kind of person who had never played a Zelda. That yeah. that and I think universally your 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 friends' older brothers were were monsters uh who 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 existed only to harm you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's pretty uh, I want I wanna know what go com, goes completely off his rocker entails. Yeah. Like hopefully nothing too too intense yeah. for just playing Zelda. <laughs> and what an arbitrary thing. Like could you play, you know, RBI baseball but not this? Yeah. yeah <laughs> Don't touch Rob. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rob is my hmm. man. Um, hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, that's it. So thank you everybody for responding. If you have uh, things to say about any of our games that are coming up next, um, you can submit those at duckfeed.tv forward slash contact. Mm-hmm. Um, what are we doing next, Cole? Well, next we are doing Deadly Premonition, which um, we are still taking responses on, as we said. Um, that is part of our Watch Out for Lens Flare special modern-esque games um, series. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. it is a survival horror, Twin Peaks, open world, Shenmue, uh, really, really uh, subversive in your face. And a lot of the times, uh, let's just say, aggressively uh, unintuitive uh, game. And I love every second of it. And uh, we're going to be joined by uh, Bob Mackey of Retronauts. Indeed. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. After that, we are doing uh, Blade Runner for the PC, the mm-hmm. Westwood Adventure game from uh, 1997, I believe. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's if you have anything to say about that. That is a kind of an obscure game. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that it kind of does have a little bit of a cult following. Yeah. Do it. Not fully switch because it's Blade Runner. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, after that, we're doing another Kickstarter special uh, episode, which is uh, dedicated to hardware. So think like our previous special episodes about uh, um, video game music, uh, Dungeons & Dragons, just a broad overview of, you know, uh, the hardware that lets us play the software we love talking about so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, that's all we're going to announce now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, until um, – so as so by way of helping out the show mm-hmm. – um, well, first of all, by way of thinking, helping out the show, mm-hmm. um, so I extend a thank you again to Brad yes, um, for su- supporting us on Kickstarter, su- supporting us is what you call it. <laughs> for going supporting to Sephora and, and <laughs> buying some <laughs> makeup. Yeah. So now I know when my Kickstarter money is getting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all going to Sephora. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's going to foundation. Um, but, uh, yeah, thank you for uh, helping us out and, and joining us for this and suggesting this wonderful game. Yeah. Thanks for letting me crash the show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what other ways can they help us out? Uh, you, they can visit our sponsor, um, Latchkey Kingdom, uh, that uh, delightful webcomic you've been hearing about somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. That is latchkeykingdom.com. And uh, thanks again to Nick for, uh, for helping support the show. Um, Indeed. Additionally, you can go to duckfeed.tv slash tip jar and use our little Amazon link. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything extra, but that goes a long way towards helping keep the lights on um, and covering server costs and such. Yep. And you can also listen to our other shows. Um, right around when this is coming out, we are just, we are very close to Dark Souls 2, mm-hmm. if not in Dark Souls 2. Um, so you should check out uh, Bonfire's Eye Chat, where we'll be beginning our coverage of that that game. Yeah. Um, really excited about that. Uh, Abject Suffering, which is our bad video game show. Um, it's not really about bad games, but that's the, the jumping off point. Yeah. Uh, or that. I like how we've embraced that. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. No. <laughs> I think uh, like the, the the next episode that's coming out after this, the, we decided the game was good, so we started talking about thrift shopping. Yeah, just for and for like twenty minutes, like yeah. and that's it. Like and just, you know, um, yeah. The uh, and then uh, you can also check out the level if you like uh, video game content, which is a uh, a video game roundtable discussion that Cole does with some of his friends. Mm-hmm. Um, well worth your time and checking out. And uh, by way of comedy, Those Damn Ross Kids, which is a show between Chris and his brother um, where you can hear the history between these two men. <laughs> these two men. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it, on the video game tip, there's Check It Out Comrade, which Gary does with Nick. Uh, he, will, he will recognize from a, a Bonfire Side Chat where they pick two indie games and then just say a thing about them. 
Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it is uh, spoiler free before the before the credits, which is, makes it an excellent way to uh, learn what you ought to be playing. Um, you know, on these in this indie revolution, I would say we're on. Yeah, in the golden age of PC gaming. Mm-hmm. So, yep. And then there's uh, there's yeah. Hexcrank if you like reading about spooky things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that's probably about it. Yeah. Um, for admin stuff, we've been recording for a long time. <laughs> yes, we have. Um, yeah. yeah, and you can kind of stay tuned for some deleted scenes. Yeah. Um, that are gonna happen right now. I am also back. Cool. I am back. Not back. Oh no, he is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I live down the street from um, like one of the uh, one of the few remaining original like soda jerks from the uh, early 1900s. Mm-hmm. It's like an, like an ice cream shop. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Who's that asshole? <laughs> <laughs> hey, that guy. Yeah. No, uh, I am also sleepy. Um, I because I have spent, <laughs> I've been I've been spending my morning uh, playing Deadly Premonition, which yeah. is like simultaneously interesting and boring, <laughs> like the entire thing. Like yep. I'm so Later. bored. Like it's so non-interactive and <laughs> so many fucking pauses to pan the camera mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, i don't know if that then, sells, sells me on playing the game but it definitely <laughs> sells me on listening to the related podcast <laughs> yeah I, I don't know if it sells me on it just yet either <laughs> like it keeps winning me over and then losing me <laughs> like i'm facilitating back and forth there's a part cool I, I texted you last night i was hoping you were still awake yeah i was asleep um the the grin on my face when you do the race thing and it plays the midi version of american idiot by green day yep okay now now i I am so happy that i get to be the one who edits this yeah it's so fucking weird like it's it's very subversive while simultaneously being boring and bad um (laughs) so uh oh man the opposite of a couple the opposite of love isn't hate gary it's indifference Mm-hmm. Every time I think about like how tenuous my ties are to wherever I am, it's like I don't know. Well, at just any pack, point you just, could just, up just and pack move. a bag and go. Yeah, yeah. that's the, that, I think that is the one thing, and this is going to sound darker than it really is, <laughs> but is one of the things like you know when not so important distinction between consider and think about. <laughs> yeah, when I think about the concept of suicide. Oh, Jesus. One of the things I think, again, important <laughs> distinction, not consider it, yep. but think about. Yep. Um, one of the things I think about is that, uh, well, you know, if I was ever pushed that far, like, why don't I just sell everything I own and just move to a new town, mm-hmm. you know, or or sell everything I own and, like, do heroin for two weeks <laughs> and, then, and then die. Or, you know, Jesus. like, you, you, have, you have that weird, like, tenuous connection, mm-hmm. you know, before that. Like, you can just go somewhere. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Huh. So if if you ever get to actual rock bottom, like there's always a, you know, you can always yeah. go somewhere else, and then at that point, you know, that's where the real rock bottom is. But yeah. everybody yeah, has that. Bottom, I think is after you sell all your possessions, but uh, yeah, and then and then move to you know some some random town, and just yeah. and then it doesn't work out. Then you're at rock bottom. But everybody gets that one, you know, oh, yeah. second chance of just jumping on a bus. Yeah. yeah. Until your until your old identity catches back up to you, and your old wife yeah. and kids are like, you know, where did you go? We thought you died. The, the 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 wreck entirely burned up, and you're like, oh no, Janice, I married Janice too. And then you just go, yeah, yeah. You just pack a bag and look for Janice three. Just look for Janice three. <laughs> yeah, pull pull a, pull a real dead move and <laughs> light eye dodge. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. So on that note, on that, on that note. Um, 
<laughs> so, <laughs> one of the the most cheerful and exuberant video games I've ever played. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't know the uh, the the desert part of the ending is uh, kind of fucking dark. <laughs> They're talking that about is the vulture, true. vultures rule the wasteland or whatever. Yeah, it, it, well, it's good for the de- it's good for the vultures. Hey, listen, oh, yeah. It's good for yeah. the vultures and it's good for the desert. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a fragile mm-hmm. ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and also that dude who turned into a tree. That's pretty dark too. But he comes back. Yeah. Yeah, he's he comes. Fine. Yeah, he's he's fine. <laughs> he's just a little bit of a tree. Yeah. Like, he's just, he's a little bit wooden, a little bit petrified. Yeah, that's still good. It's still what, is good. That, what is that movie? That movie came out recently where the kid turns into a tree, like the life of David, or like uh, oh, that was like a like two three years ago, something like that, where it's like they adopt him and he's got chlorophyll instead of blood. Yeah, yeah, and he turns into a tree, and it looks <laughs> like the stupidest thing that I've ever. Yeah, like, it just looks so dumb. This sounds was, amazingly terrible. Well, it was like I, Oprah Book the movie. Yeah. The Life of David Green. Okay. Bleh. Like that like that 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 would just like that that has to be some kind of extended allegory for the kid coming out as gay, right? Like the parents uh, happen to happen to accept him the way he is and watch him bloom. You mean and... as a, as a tree? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, very X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> X-Men isn't X-Men. saying that all homosexuals are humans. However, he's <laughs> just saying they are, are mutants. Are are mutants. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. saying that, that, uh, that all mutants are trees. Yeah. <laughs> I'm are. getting the Venn diagram confused, Gary. Yeah. He gets turned into a tree and then he gets turned into a closet. Yeah. Then you keep all your stuff in him. Problem solved. Can you hand me my Tyrax son? <laughs> Thank you, son. No. Can you have me your sister's son? Yeah. yeah your sister, the Tyrac. Yep. <laughs> like, boy, this adoption agency is really working out. <laughs> that sounds like a um, Goosebumps plot. <laughs> like, yeah. the orphanage that turns all the kids into furniture. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so you adopt the kid, and instead of going through puberty and becoming not cute anymore, and saying, fuck you, dad, he just turns into a, turns into a gun rack. You know? <laughs> The, problem uh, solved one of the there's a michelle gondry um is part of this movie called tokyo which is a anthology it's got three you know three directors and they do movies and the only the thing they have in common is uh they take place in tokyo mm-hmm. and his segment is about a woman who like has no purpose in life and slowly turns into a chair but and it's really like kind of beautiful and scary and great uh but that's she turns mm-hmm. into a to a wooden piece of furniture and that mm-hmm yeah, that's <laughs> horrifying. Um, one of my favorite Onion articles is uh, like uh, has to do with Michel Gondry's next project being uh, playing with a cardboard box. <laughs> <laughs> like has all these quotes from like other actors who like go, go go with him to play with the box, talking about how wonderful it is to work with Michel Gondry. <laughs> yeah, it's like the 